I want to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. Mainly because as you read the Gospels and as you get into the other books, you can uh, you can understand what it is you're looking at. Right. And that's the that's the main thing. We're all just trying to grow and trying to learn, you know. Um, and actually, I did this teaching before and I hadn't done it in a while. It takes like three days to really do this whole thing, but I'm not going to do a whole three days. Um, we'll just go through some of the stuff that way when we get into Mark tonight, hopefully some of the stuff we learn right now, you'll, you'll remember later on. You know what I mean? Um, so in Acts chapter 19, verse two, Paul was on a missionary trip and he ran into some Christian individuals, right? And so when he ran into these people, he knew they were Christians, you know, everything was good. And he asked them a, a question that we all kind of need to ask ourselves, which was, have you received the Holy Spirit? Now, you would think that as a Christian, you've already received the Holy Spirit, right? But these people had heard about Jesus. You know, they heard the word, they heard the message, they heard all these things. And then he he just happens to ask him this question. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And on Acts chapter 19, verse two, it says, no. They answered, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so if the Christians then heard the gospel, but they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit or the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that application is still good for today, right? Because we get saved and, and all these things. And, and, and the, the reality is that we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit to actually walk this thing out. And so Paul shared the message of the ministry of the Holy Spirit with the Christians in Acts 19. And it's equally important for us to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit as well. Because there's a lot of things that we can find out in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, there's a, a lot of things that are still questionable. You know, we, we, we try to bring God down to our level and he's, he's so much bigger than that. I mean, in him, we all move and have our being. All things were created by him. Everything is subjected to God. Like we think about time and we think about, you know, those kinds of things. But in reality, Tom is is God contains Tom. He's outside of what we know as Tom. He actually contains it. And so when we start looking at different doctrines, doctrine is just a, sub, a subject study of a particular thing. You know, you do a devotion on, um, you know, like Robbie did this morning. All that was subject matter. Now, had he taken that and, and went deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, it could have developed into a doctrine because it's a subject of study, right? So when you say doctrine, that's what you think about. It's a particular subject that's made just to study. And so there's a doctrine just for the Holy Spirit. There's a doctrine for salvation. There's a doctrine for faith. There's doctrine for redemption and all these things, right? And so we wanna look at the Holy Spirit um, in Acts chapter two, verse 17, it says, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And so the fact that God is willing right now to pour his spirit out on all of us 
is a huge deal and enough reason for me to dig in and try to understand what this ministry of the Holy Spirit is, right? So we have to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit in order to be a part of this special revelation of God's power in our lives. So the study of the Holy Spirit is one of the major doctrines. And like I said, a doctrine is just a teaching on a particular subject. And in 1 Timothy 4.13, it says, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. So it's not through natural powers of ourselves that God moves. Because in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So it's not by my own strength and it's not by my own power that anything gets accomplished, but it's through the spirit of God that things get accomplished in my life. And so sometimes you'll hear like Lee, Lee's over or around 50 and you'll hear him say the Holy Ghost. That's an old school Pentecostal term. Okay. Holy Ghost is still the Holy Spirit. All right. There's just some some different things we as the church grows, we try to get away from certain things. When you think of ghosts, you think of Casper or, you know, the little thing on Pac-Man that you chase around. And that's not that's cool if you want to use that. But in reality, the Holy Ghost is still the Holy Spirit. OK. And so the spirit is one of three persons in the Godhead. Right. So there's a triune nature. You have the father, you have the son and you have the Holy Spirit. Um, and Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit as a he. So the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's actually a person. In John 15, 26, it says, he shall speak of me. 16, 14, he shall glorify me. In John 16, 13, he shall not speak of himself. And so when you see the term he, you know, when you when you call something an it is because you don't know what it is. Well, we know that the Holy Spirit is a he. He is a person. And for whatever reason, sometimes that bothers me when I when I when I hear somebody call him a it. You know what I mean? It's like maybe that's just me, but um so the triune nature of God is something that most people stumble through and, and they have a hard time trying to figure out. And I always remember what Tom said, like what does it matter? You know what I mean? What does it matter? If you can't figure it out, you can't understand it, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Don't let it don't let it hold you back or keep you from moving forward, right? And so there's many gods worshipped in the world, but there's only one true God. And as far as we go, if you believe that one true God is Jesus, but it's Jesus the Father, Jesus the Son, and Jesus the Holy Spirit. So you have all three, but it's still one, right? So the Bible is the word of God, which reveals his special plan for all mankind. So when you read the, the word, it reveals his plan to you, for you and for everybody else in the world. And a lot of times we got to we got to kind of appropriate that when we start reading, we have to read it in that manner to really get the revelation that we need from it. So the Holy Spirit is part of the triune nature. Like I said, it's the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into sozo and there's some really good stuff in sozo i mean most of you have had sozo but the teaching behind that is just phenomenal um in the way that people associate how many of you had an active father in your life right 
a couple of us. A couple of us didn't. So the ones that really didn't have a active, loving father in their lives, it's really hard for them to come to the father, right? Because it's the father. If you didn't have a really good relationship with your dad, it's going to be hard for you to have a relationship with God, the dad, the father, right? And so Jesus, I'll just break it down real quick. Jesus said that he no longer calls us slaves, but he calls us friends, right? So how many of you depended a lot in your in your early years on your friends, right? Well, you may pray to Jesus more than you pray to God the Father because your father wasn't there and you associated most of your life with friends. And so when Jesus says, I'm your friend, it's easier for you to associate with the son than it is the father, right? And if you didn't have a mother, what does your mother do? Your mother comforts you. Well, the Holy Spirit is known as a comforter and a teacher. So it's easier for you to associate with the Holy Spirit than it is with Jesus or the Father, right? And all this is like, it, it seems like psychological, and but you got to think most of psychology is built off of biblical principles. And that's just the truth about it. And so what I want to talk about is the Holy Spirit. Because what he does is so important for us now, you know. The father sent the son, the son died in our place, that we might become the righteousness of God. But he said, don't worry, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, because what I'm going to do when I go up, I'm going to leave something better for you, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a free gift that we receive due to Jesus's work on the cross. And because we're righteous and we're in right standing with Lord, now we're able to to step into what he has for us. Amen. And so. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. Just like Jesus is 100% God, just like the Father is 100% God, okay? Acts chapter 5, 3 and 4 says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You haven't lied to men, but to God. So Peter is, is making a separation, but at the same time, He's, he's making a point here. You didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And in reality, you lied to God is who you lied to because the Holy Spirit is still God, right? <laughs> Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus went up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So in Matthew 3:16, it's the Holy Spirit, but they call him the spirit of God. So he's still God. So prior to returning to heaven after his ministry on earth, Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit over and over and over in all the gospels. You can look at John 15, 26, but when the helper comes who I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. So this is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit, it's probably important for us to recognize who he is and what he does. The spirit descended from heaven. God, the father sent the spirit down on Jesus. That's the only place other than in Genesis 126 where you see all three, the whole Godhead in one in one passage of scripture. Because you've got 
God sending the Holy Spirit down on Jesus. But then you hear the father say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So you've got all three in one spot right here. So the apostle Paul spoke of the triune nature of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. He thus condemned sin in the flesh. So you've got Jesus here for in Christ Jesus. And then you have the spirit of life. And then when you get down, it says God did this by sending his son. So in Romans 8, you have all three again. Now, they won't together, but Paul's using all three in, in one or two verses there. First Corinthians or second Corinthians 13 for the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So there's another place where all three are mentioned in one verse. And remember, we're just talking about the, the triune nature of God. You can look in the Bible. The word Trinity is not in there. Triune is not in there. People will debate that. But in reality, it's, you know, it's right here. You see all three in one spot. And that's pretty much all we're trying to get to. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So when you look at the nature of the Holy Spirit, because everybody has a nature about them. We have an old nature or an old man, and now we have a new nature and a new man. We're a new creation. We're a new creature, right? So you, you still got both. You're, you're going to have both. It's just which one are you going to feed, right? If you feed the one that's old, that's the one that's going to live. If you feed the one that's new, that's the one that's going to live. And the Holy Spirit has a nature. Um, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's eternal. And so there's a lot of that's That's why. So we get into doctrine. Doctrine is a little different than just reading the Bible at face value. Right. Because you're going you're going deep. In Psalms, it's, in Psalms, it says that deep calls out to deep. He wants you to go deeper. You can't sit in the kiddie pool for, for so long until you outgrow it because you're just going to look ridiculous at six foot two sitting in a little blue pool like ducks got or like blues got out back. You're just going to look foolish, right? You got to eventually get out of that pool and you got to get into the, to the big kids pool. You, you ain't going to jump right in the deep end, but you got to go from three inches to three foot. You got to graduate some point in time. And when you get into doctrine, that's what you're doing. You're going deeper, right? <laughs> and so Psalms 139.7 says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? This is omnipresent. This means he is present everywhere all the time. You know, we like to think that that the enemy or Satan is omnipresent, but he isn't. We give him a little more credit than what he deserves. He is not God and he cannot be every place at the same time that God can be. But what he did was when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him. So to be completely honest, 
the devil, we, we say, oh, you know, the enemy is attacking me. Well, yeah, but we associate that with Satan himself. He's too busy doing some other stuff. But the third of the angels that fell with him, his minions and, and, and the foot soldiers for him, those are the ones that really attack you. Because you can read it over and over in the gospel, you know, unclean spirits coming out of people, the lames being hit, all these things. It, it never said that Satan himself was doing that, right? You had 2,000 of them or 3,000 of them that went into 2,000 pigs, jumped off the cliff and died. The pigs died, the spirits didn't, right? But God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. He's omniscient, which means he knows all things. Second Corinthians 2, 10 through 11 says that God has revealed it to us by the spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except his own spirit that is within him? So, too, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. That's. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. So omnipotent means that he is all powerful. And remember, we're still talking about the Holy Spirit now. Psalm 62, 11 says, God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Acts 1, 8 says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the Holy Spirit is also eternal. That means he's everlasting from the beginning until there is no end. He's everlasting. He's always going to be. And that's in Hebrews 9:14. How much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So the eternal nature of the Holy Spirit can be illustrated by a circle. You know, there, with a circle, there's no beginning and there's no end. It's just, there's no beginning. It just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And there's no point of a, of, of a beginning and there's no point of an end. So when you think of the Holy Spirit, think of that, that analogy that he's always been and he always will be, right? And so the person, the Holy Spirit actually has a personality, right? Everybody has a personality, you know, Hunter's kind and soft-hearted. He's easy to get to. You can make him cry with hardly nothing. Like, that's just his personality. Mule's a little rugged. He's a little tough. But that's his personality. You know, Kelly, don't say a whole lot. He's real quiet. But Kelly will joke with you and clown with you. That's his personality. So everybody has a personality. You may not like their personality, and that's fine. But everybody has been given. Remember, we were created in the image of God in his likeness. So if we have personalities and we have characteristics and we have natures, all those things came from God who had those originally and said, you know, I'll just give it to them. OK, so the Holy Spirit has a mind in Romans 8, 27. It says that he searches the heart and knows the mind of the spirit. He searches out the human mind in First Corinthians 2, 10, but God has revealed them. To us by his spirit, because the spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit also has a will. First Corinthians 12, 11, But all these work that one and the same spirit divide into every man severally as he wills. The Holy Spirit speaks in Acts 
8.29. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and join thyself to the chariot. He speaks in Acts chapter 10.19. While Peter thought on the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, behold, three men seek you. The Holy Spirit loves. That's Romans 15.30. For the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. So this is where it gets gets a little deeper because we're going to go into some Old Testament stuff. Old Testament is relevant. You have to go into the Old Testament expecting to find Jesus or the Holy Spirit, right? I know it's a lot. We've already gone over a lot in like 20 minutes. But it's important because I'm not going to I'm not going to know Robert unless I spend time with Robert and I get to know Robert and I learn his his traits and his characteristics and his personality and his nature and sometimes it's easier for me to do that with you guys than it is for me to just step back and spend time with the Holy Spirit and learn his characteristics and his nature and his personality. And, you know, it, it because in reality, you're, you're communing with something you can't see, which makes it hard. But you don't have to see him. You know, Stephen, was it Stephen? Who was it? You want to put his hand and his finger in Jesus's hand. Thomas. Thomas wanted, he, he said, I'm not going to believe unless I stick my finger in his hands and put my hand in his ribs, right? And Jesus said, here you go. Go ahead. And he did it. And he told Thomas, he said, you believe because you can see, but blessed are those who believe and don't see. So we're actually more blessed that we don't get to see him the way that Thomas saw him, Right? And so we believe based on faith. You know, everybody has a measure of faith. And <clears throat> I want to get to know him better than I know anybody in here. I want to know him better than I know my wife and my kids. Because once I get to that place, once I get to a spot where I just all I want to do is spend time with him, everything else is going to work out. I'll know how to treat my wife and my kids. I'll know how to love them the way that he loves me. There's some things that'll happen in my life just by me spending time with the one that created me. And so we're going to talk about some titles. Don't get twisted up in titles. and Because all we're doing is we're looking at types and shadows. In the Old Testament, there was a type and a shadow of Jesus. Okay? So the Spirit of God... <coughs> First Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? So the Holy Spirit is known as the spirit of God. He's also known as the spirit of Christ, which is in Romans 8 and 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He's known as the eternal spirit. The spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, the spirit of life, the spirit of glory, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the comforter. So he's got a lot of different titles. You know, when you're a CEO of a business, 
That don't mean that you're just a CEO because if a man calls out tomorrow, you got to do his job too. If the janitor don't show up, you got to clean the bathrooms. So you got a lot of different titles when you're when you're up here. If I'm a janitor and I go in, that's all. I'm just a custodian. I'm not a CEO. I'm not a, a administration person. I'm none of these things. I'm just a janitor. But God being the CEO, he has a lot of titles that come along with the job that he has. Right. And he's known as the spirit of promise, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of faith, the spirit of adoption. There's so many different names that he has. And then when you look in the Old Testament, there's emblems or types and shadows of the Holy Spirit. Or you. So let's let's just clear it up. The Old Testament it's still Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? It really New Testament doesn't start until the Holy Spirit comes in chapter 2 of Acts. Okay? So when it says that the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, you're still in the Old Testament. Okay? And so the dove is an emblem of the Holy Spirit. And we can use that because I know you guys already have read that a few times. You, you understand that it descended. It wasn't literally a dove. It descended like a dove. And so when you look at a dove, you, you can associate that with the Holy Spirit. John 1.32 says, and John bears record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it rested upon him. So he's also known as the emblem of peace in Psalm 55.6. And I said, oh, that I have wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. The best one that I, I've been looking at, and I think it was um, Josh that was asking me about it, is the Holy Spirit is known as oil. He's an Oil is an emblem of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. You can look at Psalm 23 where it says, you anoint my head with oil, right? So what does that mean? When, when you anoint somebody's head with oil, it's a covering. And so what are you covering when you anoint somebody's head with oil? You're covering their thoughts, right? Because in the New Testament, it says, take every thought captive and submit it to the obedience of Christ. So when you anoint, when he anoints the head of the animal, which is a sheep in Psalm 23, it's actually covering the sheep's head. Sheep have this thing where they get a lot of bugs and mites and fleas and stuff on the top of their head. And sheep are stupid, kind of like we are, you know, I'm stupid. And so they don't have fingers like we do. We can't, we can itch, but a, a, a sheep can't. So what they do, it gets so bad that they just start ramming whatever it is. You ever see one just hitting a fence or hitting a rock? And they'll do it so much that they'll eventually just kill themselves from doing that. And so when you anoint a sheep's head with oil, you're covering their head and getting rid of all the little bugs that are on there. Well, in our case, since we're the sheep, those little bugs are the fiery darts or the thoughts that come into our minds. And so our heads are anointed with oil. We're anointed with the Holy Spirit. We put on the helmet of salvation. That's extra coverage for, for all the things that come against us. And in the Old Testament, there's a lot of different things. You know, you got the burning bush. So the Holy Spirit's known as fire. He's known as oil. He's known as water. He's known as all these different things. And if you don't know how to look for that, you're just going to miss it. And so that's what I say when you when you go in the old, just look for him. You know, not this one begat this one and this one begat that one. And that's 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 
that's not really good reading. It's good reading, but it's not really good reading unless you want to go to bed. But there's some things that are in the Old Testament that are really valuable, like the Red Sea, splitting the Red Sea, or like Noah, when God flooded the earth. You can see Jesus in a lot of these things if you really look for him, right? And so he's known as oil in Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to set them at liberty that are uh, those who are bruised. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Hebrews 1.9. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even God, has anointed me with the oil of gladness. And then you get into the water. Not all water is an emblem of the Holy Spirit. Right? You gotta you really gotta be digging and looking to to get some of these, right? But <clears throat> Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit being like water in John chapter seven. 37 through 39, because in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit, which they that believed on him should receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is literally using water as an example of what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Water is the most powerful thing on earth. You realize that, right? And so when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is like water, he is the most, the Holy Spirit is the most powerful thing on earth right now. A tsunami can come and take out a whole community or a hurricane can come and knock out all of St. Louis. But none of that compares to the power that the Holy Spirit gives us because he is power. In Acts, it says you will receive power. That word power in the Greek is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. It's not some plug your iPhone into this 12 volt. No, this is explosive power that you receive from the Holy Spirit. It's way different than anything that you've ever experienced or will experience. And it's not by might and it's not by strength, but it's by my spirit. So the little bit of power we think we got is nothing compared to the power that the Holy Spirit has when we let him work in our lives. That's why when you leave here, you don't have to go back and do the things that you did because you have power from on high. There's no high like the most high. Now you have power. When you have power, you can overcome anything. You can't build a house without power tools. And even if you got hand tools, you got to use your own strength to cut the logs, cut the wood. Well, now you're exhausted. Galatians 6, 9 says you will run and not grow weary. Well, how do you do that? You do that by the power that's given to you through the Holy Spirit. To the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 44, verse 3, for I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. So even in Isaiah, you've got... The Holy Spirit as water, right? 
So he's also known as a seal. He's known as wind. Wind is a really good one to look at because Jesus mentions wind in almost all of the Gospels, right? So the wind is also an emblem of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The wind blows where it wants, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is that. So is everyone that is born in the Spirit. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 2. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And in it filled the house, and they were all sitting. You can't see the wind in the natural world, but you can see the effects of what the wind does. Right? Like right now, there's not not a whole lot of wind. It ain't doing a whole lot. Right? But when that wind kicks up, we're all going to the landfill. Amen? Because the power of the wind blows where it wants to. And if it'll blow trash off the side of a mountain and cause us to get up and go pick it up, imagine the power that God has when he lets his wind blow into your life. You think picking up trash is bad. Let God wreck you one time. You'll appreciate going to that landfill. You'll appreciate being in the chair that you're in. And then when you leave here, you'll really appreciate the wind of God blowing through your life so that it affects your family too. Because wind produces life. When the wind blows, it scatters the seeds from other plants, right? You wouldn't think that wind had a whole lot to do with plant growth, but it actually has a lot to do with it. And the Holy, the Holy Spirit produces life through the seeds of the word that are scattered inside of our spirit in the minds of us. So when you read this thing, it has an effect on you. you look, you, you can read the word and you got two choices. You believe it or you don't. You can come to the house of prayer. You can believe it or you won't. You only got two choices. You sit in here long enough, you will be hit. You can't be around this anointing and this Holy Spirit for so long until you're like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Why do I feel like this? Why do I all of a sudden, why do I feel bad that, uh, you know, I, I, I've never really approached God the way that I should. You can't sit here for so long. You know, you see it all the time. You see new guys come in, they're beat up, they're beat down. And after four or five days, you know, the grace period's over. And then all of a sudden you just catch them randomly sitting at the dining room table reading the word. Everything in you fights against what this thing says. You do not want to wake up every morning and read that. You do not want to come in here and sit in this chapel and listen to somebody speak about God. Until you get to a point where you believe. Once you believe, you wake up and you're ready to read. You wake up and you're ready to go pray. You wake up and you're ready to come over here and and listen. But before that, everything in you fights against reading and prayer and sitting through a chapel and all these things. Right. Because there's power in the word. You really can't even understand the word until the Holy Spirit moves on you and shows you what it says. Because. It'll just be words on a page. So the wind produces life. The life is not only eternal life of salvation, but mature life through the spiritual fruit, which results from the seed of the word. Wind separates the wheat from the chaff, which means wind will separate the fruitful from the fruitless. 
right? I pray that all the time. Separate the wheat from the chaff. Separate the wheat from the chaff. Because in reality, we all come together, but there's so many people that go to church that really ain't going to make it. You got the 10 lepers, right? Everybody read the 10 lepers. Jesus healed 10 lepers. Only one out of the 10 came back. That's not good statistics. If you want to go based on statistics, if you like numbers, only one out of 10 came back and gave thanks to God. And he wasn't even, he was a foreigner. He was, he was a foreigner and came back. And the reason he came back was because he was grateful and he was thankful for what God had done for him. The rest of them, they just got a healing. So when you when you pray something like separate the wheat from the chaff, you better expect God to, to answer that one because he will. When I first got here, right, I'll just tell you, when I first got here, me, Lee, Mule, and like two other people prayed. I said, let's pray real quick because when I got here, this place was not the same as it was. And Josh knows when you've been here and it's been what it should be. And then you come in and it's not what it was or what it should be, you know. You know, because we all come here for structure. We come here, none of us really had structure. That's why we're here. We come here for structure. We come here to learn. We come here to, to do the things that we're not used to doing because what we were used to doing didn't work for us, which is why we're here, right? And so we come here searching for something. And when I came this last time, I almost left after like my second day because it was a free for all. Cell phones, you know, there, there was everything going on that shouldn't have been going on. And so immediately I got Mule and, and Lee and we all prayed to separate the wheat from the chaff. And then the house just started turning over. Think about where the house was two months ago when you were here. Think about it. Now think about where it's at now. Right. It's completely different. But in reality, Y'all could have done the same thing that we did. Y'all could have said the same prayer that we said. And God will, he will separate the fruitful from the unfruitful. Because he wants, he wants everybody to come to the knowledge of him. But the truth is that not everybody's going to come to the knowledge of him. Which is sad. It's not, it's his hope that all should have life, but that none should perish. And the reality is, is that some will perish. So he's also known as a fire. Exodus 3, 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. So fire represents the presence of the Lord, right? So you got the angel of the Lord. He appeared and then boom, there's a burning bush. It lit up. And it wasn't consumed. Fire is is an emblem of the Holy Spirit. Fire is, you can purify a metal with fire, right? Right. Maybe. I don't know. That's Dr. Z's thing. But fire, fire, you all, we all want to be cleansed from the inside out, right? I mean, there's, I still got ugly stuff in me, just like everybody else got ugly stuff in them. 
But when you let the Holy Spirit move in your life like a fire, like I said, the refiner's fire. Yeah, how many of you ever watched, uh, what's that show on the History Channel where they make knives? Forged and fire. You can take the hardest steel on the planet and put it in some fire long enough and it'll bend like a noodle. You know what I mean? And that's the place that I want to be at. And I'll get, I'm going to get there because I want it. I want to I wanna be in that place where I'm just set on fire for God, where I'm not worried about what you got to say or you got to say or what anybody has to say about me. And when I get to that place, then I can, I can do like Jeremiah says, you know, I have this fire set inside me that I can't not open my mouth and tell you about God. This fire is shut up in my bones that when I go home, I can I can speak and tell people exactly what the Lord has done for me without worry about how they feel or, you know, what they think about me. Because in reality, they're not going to save me. My family's not going to save me. My wife's not going to save me. The only one that's going to save me is the Lord. And he has saved me. And that's where I'm going to be at. So, I mean, I'm already saved. Why am I worried about? Well, what is he going to think if I if I tell him about Jesus? Who cares? Tell him. What's the worst thing that could happen? They get saved, right? Right? But we make it so much harder a lot of times. Uh, and really, it comes back to you. When you're, when you're scared to really just say things about God, it comes back to you. You're self-conscious. And even if you don't want to admit it, everybody is. But when you when you get to a place in the Lord and you allow the Holy Spirit to move in you and talk to you, you can you can receive words from God and, and things about people that, you know, God wants to talk to everybody and he does talk to everybody. And when you learn to listen to that. You giving somebody a word is more powerful than you trying to hit them with this Bible. Brandon's sister, for example, she came Sunday, never even met her, never talked to her. Brandon asked me Saturday, so will you pray for my sister? I said, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm trying to go to bed at 1130. And I couldn't sleep. Bam, bam, bam. I started writing everything down. I had no intention on praying for her. How many of you know if you if you try not to read the Bible, that's going to be the time when the Holy Spirit is like, you remember this verse? You remember this verse? You can try not to read it, but it's not all day. It's just going to hit you all day. It's just, verses are going to come and you're going to be like, wow, I just, I need to go ahead and read. But he asked me to pray for his sister. And so I started, I started listening to the Lord. I wrote down 14 different things and I was really ducking them on Sunday. Cause I, I really, I didn't want to, I mean, sometimes you just don't want to do this. You know what I'm saying? But he was persistent in me giving her this word, right? So I gave her the word. I had Tom and Lee come out there. You know, everybody's seen his sister, especially Gavin. Gavin's better drooling right now. You know, he's been in the program for 90 days. Yeah. Huh? If you can huh, you can hear. That's what my daddy used to say. Yeah, Manny too. But you got to do everything in order. So I gave her this word and it wasn't nothing out of the Bible. It was some things she was going through, some things she was moving towards. I didn't give her the first Bible verse. I didn't bring up nothing. I just gave her the word of the Lord. And immediately she just broke down crying 
And what'd she say, Brandon? You don't even know me. You know what Tom said? Nope, but the Lord does. I don't, you don't have to, once you get in communion with the Holy Spirit and you allow him to work in your life and you listen, you don't have to do, you don't, you ain't got to preach to nobody. 